Today we're continuing on in our Mark study. We've been studying the Gospel of Mark since the beginning of the year. Uh, the first four books of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are the called the Gospels. Those are the those are the the four books of the of the Bible that specifically tell the stories of Jesus. Now the whole Bible is about Jesus. The whole the entire Old Testament is. Speaking about Jesus who is to come, Jesus fulfills everything in the Old Testament. But then those, those first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are four different perspectives on the life and teachings of Jesus. That's where we learn about his birth, his, his parables, his miracles, and then his death and his resurrection. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we chose, we decided this year we're going to try something a little different uh, we've never done. We've never really done this before, where we where we start off in a book and we teach through the book, essentially verse by verse. So we've really taken our sweet time through the Gospel of Mark. I per- personally have enjoyed it. Uh, we'd love to hear some feedback from you if you've enjoyed it. We're going to continue to go. So January we started in Mark chapter one. We spent seven weeks in chapter one. We spent four weeks. We just got done with four weeks in chapter two where we talked about how Jesus is challenging religion. He went toe-to-toe with, with the religion police, the spiritual leaders in Jesus' day who thought they had the corner on the truth. They were experts on this stuff, the Old Testament. But they missed Jesus in all of it. He said that. He said, you, you, read, you read scriptures, but you don't even realize that the scriptures point to me. That's what Jesus said to them. And so we just got done talking about the religion police and how how they completely misinterpreted scripture. By the way, like legalistic religion police, that's what they tend to do. They're real, they really like, they know the letter of the law, but they completely miss the spirit of the law. And they even, a lot of times, they actually misinterpret the letter of the law because they miss the spirit of the law. And so we got done with all that. If you missed any of that, by the way, all of our resources are online at pursuegod.org. This whole series, you can find it at pursuegod.org forward slash mark. You can use it to go over it with your small groups, with your, with, if you're one-on-one mentoring someone, family small. It's great for family devotional time. Every single week, you can find the resources there. And you know, we have a, an Alpine Church sermon podcast that you can, if you missed any sermons, if you want to share a sermon with somebody that you, that you think might be blessed by hearing one of our messages, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find uh, search for it. Alpine Church sermons, but we also have a Pursue God. We run a, a few Pursue God podcasts. So if you're into podcasts, just type in the words Pursue God, all one word, and you'll find several of our podcasts. There's a Truth Podcast where we, we release the, basically a preview of what we're going to be talking about on Sunday. We release that on Friday, kind of in conversation form. And then we also uh, we have a family podcast. Uh, we have other podcasts, so I encourage you to check all that stuff out. So you are, without, you are left without excuse if you missed anything from what we've been studying in Mark. And so today we're going we're gonna to jump into Mark chapter 3. And uh, so if you have your Bibles or a Bible app, you can turn to Mark chapter 3 today. And I want to start with just a really simple question. Are you a Jesus groupie or are you a faithful follower? Now, for some of you young people, maybe you don't even use this term anymore, a groupie, but a, a groupie is someone, oh, someone who's just going hard after, like they just ha- they're a fan, and apparently we might have an Arkansas groupie in the crowd here today, I don't know. Um, 
I per- personally am a Utah State groupie. Like, I, I had Utah State picked to go all the way this year, just so you guys know. So that, my bracket's done. Um, but, you know, a groupie is someone who will pay good money and travel long distances because they're a fan. So, just for you young people, look, I'm in touch with you young people, so I'm going to go ahead and bring it down to your level so that you understand what I'm talking about. Taylor Swift, okay? So Taylor Swift, like, broke the world, apparently, when she announced her new tour. Nobody could get tickets for the Taylor Swift concert that just opened, I think, on Friday night down in Phoenix. And the reason I know all this is because my daughter, who I thought was a completely normal person... She got in line to get Taylor Swift tickets, and she apparently was one of the lucky ones that landed some tickets to the Taylor Swift concert down in Glendale this last weekend, or this weekend, and when I found out that how much she spent for those tickets, okay, this is a dad talking now, I'm losing all you young people now. A, when I found out how much she spent for those tickets, and then B, when I found out how much she could have sold those tickets for because she was the lucky one to get some. She could have like, I don't know, 10X'd on her money. And I'm like, well, so Kenzie, you're, you're gonna sell those tickets then, right? And just cash the difference, pocket the difference. She's like, no way, Dad, I'm going. I'm spending more money, and I'm gonna go down there. And sure enough, she did, and she was at the concert last night because she's a Taylor Swift groupie. So now, let's stop talking about her. Let's talk about Jesus, because there's such a thing as a Jesus groupie, too. A Jesus groupie is someone, here's how I like to think of it, is a Jesus groupie is someone who seeks the hand of Jesus, and a faithful follower is someone who seeks the face of Jesus. Now, if you've never heard those terms before, let me explain what I'm talking about. Someone who seeks the hand of Jesus is looking looking to Jesus for what he can give them, his provision, his hand. They're looking for a handout. Someone who's desperate, they're desperate for a healing. And so they're seeking Jesus because they want a healing. Or they they need a job, or they need a better job, or they need more money, or a better car, or a better house, or whatever. That's a Jesus groupie. A Jesus groupie is interested in what Jesus can give them, They're not really interested in Jesus. That's the difference between seeking his hand and seeking his face. Seeking his face means you want a relationship with him. You're not primarily seeking him because you need something from him. You're seeking him because he's worthy of being sought after. You're seeking him because he is worthy of being praised and worshiped because he's God, he's creator of the universe. And there's a difference between a Jesus groupie and a faithful follower. And we see that today in today's world. I don't know if you've heard of something called prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel, it's all those preachers that maybe you see on TV who have beautiful hair. (laughs) And I always, always warn you against preachers with beautiful hair. (laughs) Do not pay attention to those people. The godly ones have less hair, and, and are much more godly. But these prosperity gospels preachers, they preach 
health and wealth. What, here's, here's their message. Maybe you've heard it, and sometimes there's, it's li, like just little forms of the message, but you, I want you to beware of this. It's people who say, look, if you, if you seek Jesus, he's going to make you rich. Usually it's almost always it's connected to if you give money to our ministry and seek Jesus, he will make you rich. 10x return on your money. Just give to our ministry. Give, our, give to our ministry. That's called prosperity gospel, health and wealth teaching. It's this message that you don't find anywhere in Scripture. The Bible never says that Jesus promises you health and wealth. It doesn't promise you that. Just because you can find examples of where Jesus heals people, we're going to be talking about that today, or, or even people who are wealthy, like Abraham was very wealthy. And, and then some people will say, well, that's, that's representative of all the followers of Jesus. If you're really following Jesus and doing it right, you should be the richest person on the block. That's not at all biblical. That's not what the Bible teaches. Those are people who are Jesus groupies. They seek Jesus for what he can provide, and if he can't provide it, they're going to go seek something else. Because it's, it's all about them. And so again, the question for you, I want you to think about this for yourself. Are you a Jesus groupie or are you a faithful follower? And this isn't a modern phenomenon. This isn't something that just happens today. Even back in Jesus' day, we see pictures of this. So let's turn to our text today. Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 7. It says, Jesus went out to the lake. This is the Sea of Galilee, also called Lake Tiberias or Lake Gennesaret. He went out to the lake with his disciples, and a large crowd of groupies followed him. And they came from all over, and pay attention to these words, because I'll put a map up here in a second so we can get a visual of this, so that you can, just, you can see just how far people were coming to follow Jesus. They came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, from east of the Jordan River, and even from as far north as Tyre and Sidon, the news about his miracles had spread far and wide, and vast numbers of groupies came to see him. So people were coming from all over the place to see Jesus because Jesus was healing people. He was handing out free food, the loaves and the fishes. He was teaching in a way that they'd never heard before. Like he was, a, he was one of the first influencers. He, he was a famous preacher because his message was so radical. People came from all over the place flocking for a handout, either food or a miracle or good yummy teaching. And so here's where they came from. Let's just map this out. There's the Sea of Galilee, Lake Tiberias up there circled in blue. And that passage said that they came from Jerusalem Judea, Idumea. So look at how far away that is. Now, so some of these people were traveling over a hundred miles in their Teslas to get there. No, they didn't have Teslas or even Subarus back then. So these people are walking. Very few of them probably even had like other transportation besides their two feet. And this is how far they were coming to see Jesus. They said even east of the Jordan, so they were talking there about Decapolis and Perea, east of the Jordan River there. The Jordan River is the river that comes out to the south from the Sea of Galilee, if you can't read that. And then Mark says, even as far as Tyre and Sidon to the north and Syrophoenicia, and so we see that 
all, from all around the whole area, people are flocking, these groupies are flocking for a handout, seeking the hand of Jesus for what he can give them. And here's what it says in the passage as we read on, that Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd wouldn't crush him. He was ready to escape into the Sea of Galilee. And, and take a look at the hand of Jesus. I want you to see this. He had healed many people that day. So all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them into the ground in front of him, shrieking, you are the son of God. But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was because he didn't want any more groupies. I mean, you ever notice that when you're reading scripture, there's, in the early part of Jesus' ministry, he would heal someone and say, don't, please don't tell anybody. Please don't tell anybody. I got enough people coming to me for a handout. Please don't tell anybody. My time hasn't come yet. He knew the more his fame spread, the more people knew about it, then the more quickly then the cross would come. And Jesus was trying to kind of like pull back a little bit because there were just so many groupies crushing to follow him to get a handout. Now, I, I'm shocked whenever I read these passages that says that Jesus healed them. and Everyone who came to him, he healed them. And I don't know if I would have done that. I can't stand takers. I can't stand people who come just for, for what you can give them, just for a handout. Like, I honestly, I can't stand it. It's one of, the, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. So if I, if I were Jesus, I think I would have been a little more discerning. I think I'd have been like, no, I'm not gonna heal you. I, I, I remember you from earlier. I already healed you one time of halitosis, and now you want me to heal your leprosy? No, not this time, buddy. Back of the line. I, I think I would have been like, I mean, Jesus knew people. He understood. Certainly he was discerning. Certainly he knew. Certainly he could tell who the groupies were and who the faithful followers were. Why didn't he just, why wasn't he just like, no, I'm not, enough of that. No, I'm not going to give you more fish. You were at the last feeding of the 5,000. I've already fed you. You already had your free lunch, buddy. None for you. But that's not how Jesus was. This shows us the heart of God for people. So many times in the Gospels it says Jesus healed everybody who came to him. He just freely gave out his generous grace to people. Everyone who came to him, he would heal them, even though most of them were gone, never to be seen again. Think about all the crowds of people crushing to see Jesus in a few weeks here on Good Friday, we're going to see that those same crowds are yelling, crucify him. The same crowds. We're going to see all these people, literally thousands of people coming for a handout from Jesus, and yet none of them, none of them are with his mother and with the beloved disciple John at the foot of the cross, weeping as he's dying on the cross. We don't see crowds of people there. These are Jesus' groupies, and yet Jesus healed them. This shows us the heart of God. 
You know, God reveals himself in a few different ways. If you study, we've got a systematic theology series online at Pursue God. I encourage you to check it out. And we talk about the ways that God reveals himself. The number one is his general revelation. General revelation is when you look out and you see the mountains. Man, this winter the mountains have been just incredible. I love the mountains. I'm a, I'm a flatlander. I'm from the Great Plains. I'm from Chicagoland. I didn't see a mountain until I was 16 years old. And I remember when I first saw a mountain, I was, literally my breath was taken away. I'd seen him on TV before and on movies. Some of you are looking at me like, are you crazy? I literally never saw a mountain until I was a teenager. And I've been in love with them ever since. And now I've been driving around, just, just yesterday driving around, beautiful blue sky and the, the snow on the mountains. It's just gorgeous. And God's word says this, that his glory is revealed in creation. That's called general revelation. Romans 1 says that, we're, that man is without excuse because we can see that there's a God just by looking at the, the things that he's created. And the mountains is a big part of that for me. I look at the mountains and I just want to praise God. I drove through the mountains this morning and I just praise God for his, the beauty of his creation, for his creativity, for his splendor, for his greatness because of his general revelation in the mountains. And then there's another thing called his special revelation and that's what this is. The Bible is God's special revelation. See, God reveals himself generally in the world, in creation, but he, he reveals himself in a very special way in the, wor- in the word. You can't learn about Jesus by looking at the mountains. You need his special revelation to learn about Jesus. And so this right here is a special revelation. If you've ever been reading the Bible before, maybe you're reading the Bible or listening to a message and and something just jumps out at you in Scripture, that's called his special revelation. The Holy Spirit is taking his word and he's ministering it to you on the inside. He's, He's revealing something just to you that he's revealed to the whole world through his word. That's called his special revelation. That's the second kind The second way that God reveals himself to the world, the third way that he reveals himself to the world is in his self-revelation, and that's in Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate revelation. Jesus is even more special than God's special revelation in the Bible because this is what the whole Bible is about. It's about Jesus. So scripture says that when Jesus came, we finally got to see God in all of his goodness, in all of his glory. And one of the ways that Jesus reveals God to us is by healing everyone who came to him, even the Taylor Swift fans, all the groupies, just coming to him for coming to him for what he could give them today, and you don't even know if you're going to see them tomorrow. And yet Jesus healed them because people matter to God, because that's just how God is. And thank God, that's how He is. And so. So Jesus healed whoever would come to him. Those are the groupies. But then we move on in the text and we see the faithful followers of Jesus. Verse 13, it said afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and he called out the ones who wanted to go with him and they came to him. And then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach giving them authority to cast out demons. I want to just take a minute here to highlight a few phrases from this because, again, I want you to just think about for yourself, which one am I? Am I a groupie or am I a faithful follower? Because there are a lot of groupies in today's church. 
And we want to call you to be a faithful follower of Jesus, not just the Jesus groupie. Let's take a look. First of all, it says that he called out the ones he wanted to go with him. This is the first time that we see this kind of phrasing in Scripture, but the other time that we see it is in the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts, every time you see the word church in the book of Acts, and church is a very Christian thing, the Jewish people didn't call themselves a church. The church was something that was reserved for the followers of Jesus. So anytime when you read in the book of Acts the word church, you're actually reading the word ekklesia, the Greek word ekklesia, and ekklesia literally means called out ones. And so we see just a little foreshadowing of the word church in this verse, and I want you to think about what Jesus is doing. He and his disciples had just spent the whole day among all the crush of groupies. And then Jesus goes up onto a mountain and he calls out some of them. We don't even know how many of them. But he calls out some of them to leave the crowd and come away with him. So you're a faithful follower if you leave the crowd and come away with Jesus. And some of you are here today and saying, okay, good, check, I got that. I'm a, I'm a faith, I must be a faithful follower, not just a groupie, because I'm here today, right? I'm in the church today. I've come out of the world, and I'm, I'm spending time here. And I, check the records. I've been coming every week. For the most part, I've been coming every week. And I come to church, so I must be a faithful follower. Well, that's just the first part. As we read, out, as we read on, I, we see this, this other line. It's just a powerful line. And I want you to dwell on this for a second. It says, they... They came to him. They they made a decision to come to Jesus and spend time with Jesus. This reminds me of the time when the disciples, after Jesus died and rose again, the disciples are being grilled by the religion police. And the religion police are saying, stop telling people about Jesus. And the disciples are like, we can't stop telling people about Jesus. And one of the things that the religion police observed that day is they said they recognized that these people had been with Jesus. So it's one thing to be called out from the crowd and go to church, ecclesia. It's another thing to like spend time with Jesus, like one-on-one, like intimate time with Jesus. I don't know what, how you would describe your relationship with God. Anytime I talk to somebody and I'm trying to figure out if they're a Christian or not, and this happens to me a a lot, I I think I used to be really naive and just think if you went to church, if you go to church, you must be a Christian. And I realized how foolish that is. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're a Christian. You can sit in your garage all day long and you won't ever become a car. So going to church doesn't make you a Christian. So what makes someone a Christian? And one of, the things that, one of the things that I always listen for is if you talk about church or do you talk about Jesus? Oh, I just want, I want to make sure my, when my kids go off to college, I want to make sure they go to church. Now again, I'm not, going to church is really important. But again, you can go to church and not be a Christian. So one of the things that I've learned to listen for when I talk to people, and I want, I want to really challenge you to think about this in your own life, is I listen to I listen for if they ever talk about a relationship with Jesus. Or are you just always talking about like going to church? Or even another thing is, I listen to see if people ever talk about, are they talking about God? 
Like in this generic sense, or is it Jesus? Now again, Jesus is God, and we talk about pursuing God, so I don't want you to get confused right here, but, but some people have just this generic concept of church and God. Just was talking to someone last night who said, we all believe the th- same thing, right? And he's talking about a, a cult. So that's an indicator to me that this is someone who maybe still doesn't understand the difference between going to church and having a relationship with Jesus. But Jesus' disciples came to him and spent time with him, not just on Sunday for an hour when everyone's looking, but like actually when they go home and on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, they crack their Bibles and they spend time in his word and they spend time in prayer and they spend time worshiping him when nobody's even looking. Young people, I challenge you, don't just go to church. Seek a real relationship with Jesus. Seek a real relationship with Jesus. Come to Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Because Jesus will transform you. That's what a faithful follower does. So so number one, they leave the world. They leave the crowd. But then they actually spend time with Jesus, not just on Sundays. And then there's one other thing here that, to me, is the telltale sign that someone's a real true follower of Jesus. And look, it says this, that he would send them out. To me, the biggest sign that you're a follower of Jesus and that you will still be a follower of Jesus 10 years from now isn't that you just left the crowd, but that it's that you're willing to go back into the crowd. That's what they did. They come out of the crowd, they go to the mountaintop, they spend time with Jesus. It must have been awesome to be with Jesus. And then he sends them back into the crowd. So many of us leave the crowd and we just stay in our little holy huddles. And that's it. And I tell you what, there's, there's no better way to kill your faith than to keep it to yourself. And never go back into the world where the groupies are and the people who don't deserve your time, like how I feel about them, like that attitude that I can have that God doesn't have. Jesus doesn't have that attitude. Like he healed everybody. He loves everybody. He, he wants them to experience this next level of relationship with him, but how are they going to experience that if nobody goes back into the crowd and, and like puts, puts, puts flesh on the bones and shares the message of Jesus with people. So the, the ultimate sign that you're a faithful follower is that you're willing to walk with someone else in a pursuit of God. We, at Alpine Church, we believe this so, so fervently, like this is what we're all about. And so if you've been around for any length of time, you will know that. But that's one of the reasons that we put together this series that we've now got in booklet form called The Pursuit. If you haven't grabbed one of these, I encourage you to grab one of these on your way out today. There'll be copies. They're free. Grab a few of them because these are great way. It's a great way to invite maybe somebody that is investigating, somebody at work or at school that that maybe you're like, I think maybe God's starting to work on them. One of the ways that you can go back out to them into the world and offer them a lifeline is one of the simpler ways is just to give them this. Give them one of these books and say, hey, Take a read, and if you ever want to talk about this, let me know. 
This whole book, is, it's 10 short chapters, 60 pages. It's all about helping someone become a follower of Jesus. And it starts at the very basics, and it ends up right here. It starts at the very basics about who God is and his heart for people. And, and then it explains sin and explains who Jesus is. And, and chapter 6, right in the middle of this thing, it, it gives you an opportunity to pray with somebody to, to make Jesus Lord of their life. Tracy and I just recently brought a couple through this. They came to, four months ago, they started coming to one of our campuses, came out of a cult, and out of the blue started coming to, never walked into a church like Alpine before ever. Like they were so scared to come to church and we could see it on their faces. It was awesome. We're like, you guys look scared. <laughs> no, we, we didn't say that, but. We helped them and we found out their story and they're like, we just want to know Jesus. And guys, I'm telling you, I'm hearing that more and more from people these days because this world is like nuts. There is, like, nobody's willing to take a stand on anything. But Jesus is, and we are. There's black and white, there's right and wrong, there's male and female. And we're willing to say it, and people want to hear that. People are desperate for truth. And here this couple comes in, desperate for truth, we're like, oh, that's awesome. I'm, we met with them, and, and we're like, they're like, we just want to more, know Jesus more. So we gave, them, we gave them one of these booklets, and we said, let's go through this with you. Does that sound good to you? They said, yeah, absolutely. We started going through this just one week at a time, one chapter at a time. It's super easy to do. By the time you get to topic six, chapter six in here, it's all about making a personal response of faith to Jesus. So this couple did. They, they put their faith in Jesus. It was the most natural, simple thing we'd ever seen. It was so authentic, so genuine, so real. They put their faith in Jesus. And then a few chapters later, we get to chapter 10, which is all about that Jesus wants you to go out and help someone else. And already, this couple is helping another person who's coming out of that same cult. Already, four months into their journey, they're helping someone else and they're bringing someone else to the pursuit now. That's what we're talking about. I, I think in five or six weeks, they'll be leading this young woman to faith in Jesus, just like we did for them a few weeks ago. It's not that hard. But this is what we call a full circle follower of Jesus. You know, this, it's on the back cover of this book. It's just this simple circle with three arrows. Number one is you trust Jesus for salvation. Number two is you live a life that honors God, which means we should look different from the world. We shouldn't be doing what the world's doing. We should look different from the world because Jesus is Lord of our life, not just Savior of our lives. But then number three, you go back out and make disciples. You help somebody else. And this couple is doing it already. It's so cool. And if you want to do it, sign up for the mentor training next week. Come back next week at the end of the last service and learn about how to do what I just described to you. It's not that hard. In fact, to show you that it's not that hard, let's just finish by looking at these 12 ordinary men at the end of this passage. Starting in verse 16, Mark lists out for us the 12 disciples. And I just want to, as we finish, I want to highlight some of these guys. Because some of you are thinking to yourself, 
what you just described, like helping someone pursue God, going back out into the crowd, sounds like it's for somebody else. Sounds like it's for somebody who knows more than I know. It is not. Jesus did not pick the religion police to follow him. Not a one of these guys was a Pharisee or a teacher of the law. These 12 disciples were fishermen and tax collectors. They were, they were ordinary men, regular people, nothing special about them. You know more Bible than they did. And God used them to change the world. These are the 12 that he chose. Simon, whom he named Peter, this is a guy that was so opinionated and arrogant that he actually presumed to correct Jesus. He rebuked Jesus and said, Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> this, is one of the, this was like the leader of the pack. If God could use a moron like Peter, he can use you, I promise. And then James and John, sons of Zebedee, these guys were probably teenagers when Jesus called them. They were still working for their dad. They were mama's boys. And Jesus gave them the nickname Sons of Thunder, and we don't know why, but they were boys. <laughs> Any of you have boys at home, you know what I'm talking about. Actually, maybe the reason is because there was, there's a story in the Gospels that said they were walking, they were walking through a town, past town one day that rejected the message of Jesus and the disciples said to Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven and go all Sodom and Gomorrah on them? And Jesus was like, just chill. How about we don't do that right now? And I wonder if maybe he started calling them sons of thunder after that. We don't know. Or how about Matthew? We looked at Matthew a couple weeks ago. Matthew's name was Levi, which most likely means he was a Levite, which means that he came from, he descended from the clan that was supposed to be serving the people of Israel as priests. The Levites were the priests, and Matthew, Levi, was a tax collector, literally doing the opposite of serving the people of Israel. He was extorting money from them by being a tax collector on behalf of the Romans, whom the Israelites hated and felt oppressed by and expected that Jesus the Messiah was going to deliver them from Roman oppression and then Jesus invites Matthew to be one of his closest followers, a tax collector. And Jesus did that on purpose. Or how about Simon the Zealot? And this guy's interesting. He was a religious zealot, which if you ask me, sounds like so many Christians I know that have Fox News on 24-7. It's kind of like the soundtrack of their life. And now I'm not against Fox News, and I'm not trying to make any kind of political statement here, but here's all I want to say, is those are, those are political zealots, and Simon was one of those guys. He was a zealot. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with politics, except if you're more into politics than you are into Jesus. And there are some people who are more into Fox News, again, nothing against Fox News. There are some people who are more into Fox News than they are into Jesus and Jesus invited one of those guys to follow him. And if I just described you, Jesus is inviting you to follow him. And you don't have to stop watching Fox News. I don't want you to get the wrong idea here. I'm just saying, get into Jesus. Go away, go away with Jesus for a while. 
Spend as much time in the Word as you are in the news and see what Jesus will do with that. And then the last but not least, okay, he was the least, Judas Iscariot. Do you notice so many people name their kids, you know, Matthew and Philip and James and Thomas, but I've never met a Judas <laughs> because he betrayed Jesus. And to me, this is such a perfect example of ordinary men. One of them was even a groupie. One of them looked like he was a faithful follower, but if you know the rest of the story, turns out he was just a groupie. I think Judas had real, genuine reasons for following Jesus at first, but then his real heart got revealed, and yet God still used Judas for his own glory. If you feel like God can't use you to change the world, you're just wrong, because Jesus used these 12 ordinary men. And so I want to just finish again with this question. Are you a groupie or are you a faithful follower? Man, I hope you're willing to leave the crowd and spend some time with Jesus and then go back into the crowd with the message that he wants to give you for them because it changes us. Don't just seek the hand of God for what he can give you. Seek his face because he wants a relationship with you. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would help us today. Lord God, to ask ourselves that question, like legitimately. God, I thank you that you don't reject groupies, because I would have been rejected a long time ago, and many of us probably would never have come back. But I thank you that you're so gracious, and you're so kind, you give us second and third and fourth chances. And I pray for the person here today who feels convicted that they've only been seeking you for what you can give them. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you wouldn't allow that to be condemnation in their hearts, but God, that it would inspire change. God, that we would be people who really seek you for you because you are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our attention, Lord God. Even if you don't give us a thing, even if you don't heal us, even if you don't give us the better job, God, you're still so worthy of our praise. And I thank you for the followers who are here today who are modeling that. God, who are serving you and seeking you in the midst of their pain. In the midst of their, of their suffering and their loss. They're still here. God, I thank you for that faith. And I pray you'd give it to all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.